I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Laura Sicola. She is a leadership and communication and influence expert, speaking speaker, author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice, and host of the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. Her mission is to transform executives into confident, inspiring leaders, whether live or virtually in order to get the results they want to turn their vision into their legacy. And here at Leaders and Legacies, we like legacy. As the founder of Vocal Impact Productions, she is, has trained and coached executives at Comcast, IBM, U.S. Department of Commerce, and Women Against Abuse, along with politicians, business owners, and nonprofit leaders around the world. Laura's TEDx talk, Want to Sound Like a Leader? Start by saying your name right. Uh, has nearly 7 million views, and she has been featured on programs such as Fox and Friends First, NBC 10 at Issues, and Phil, uh, Philadelphia, I guess Phil 17, Philadelphia 17. She has also spoken to thousands at, uh, at conferences such as the Professional Businesswoman of the California Conference and the PA Conference for Women. Laura received her PhD in Educational Linguistics from the University of Pennsylvania, where she also taught from 2001 to 2013. Laura, welcome. Thank you, Craig. It's great to be here. Very happy to have you here. Been looking forward to having you. Um, the folks should know that there's something we see differently. I am looking forward to eating scrapple, crispy on the outside, mushy on the inside. Where do you stand on that? I, I We will love each other despite our differences. Uh, I've been in Philadelphia for over 20 years now, although I am a transplant. So perhaps that's part of why I don't quite share your affinity for scrapple. Uh, but I also don't happen to love cheesesteaks. So forgive me, Philadelphia. But there's so much other great food in this city. So anybody who's looking for uh, great eats, this is definitely the place to come and you can be the deciding factor for yourself as far as whether or not cheesesteaks are where you belong and Scrapple. Yeah. And and for those that don't know, Scrapple, uh, just think of it as everything they couldn't, the butcher couldn't sell, they put through a meat grinder and <laughs> added some cornmeal and spices. Everything but the oink. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, um, so tell us a little bit about you. So you're with uh, Vocal Impact Productions, what do mm -hmm. they do? It's all about leadership communication and influence, as you mentioned uh, in your introduction. So I work primarily with executives who are the brains behind the operation, but need to be more effective, more inspiring as the face and the voice in front of it. So if you've ever had that moment where perhaps you've been talking and you think to yourself, 
that sounded better in my head. You ever have one of those moments? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Most of us have. So I fix that. Or maybe you know ex- the the idea is clear in your mind. You've got your expertise. You've got the passion in your heart. But when you open your mouth, you're just not able to get it out in a way that's as clear, as concise, and as compelling to your audience as it is to you. So closing that gap is really what we do, whether it's through one-on-one coaching, whether it's through team trainings, or even through speaking engagements for events. uh, That's how we help leaders to have their greatest impact and create their legacies. So what creates these gaps? What are the things that you see most commonly keep people from being as effective as as they would like to be as a speaker? There's so many things. And I mean, first of all, let's let's define the concept of public speaking, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about that. To me, public speaking is anytime you're talking to somebody besides yourself. Now, sometimes talking to yourself may be the best conversation you have all day, but that notwithstanding, whether you're in a one-on-one weekly, uh, you know, point, uh, touch point with an employee, whether it is talking to the board, talking to investors, talking to your team, or more on stage or on a podcast like this. All of those are public speaking. So it's important anytime you are speaking to someone and you have an idea that you want to convey and there's a yes that you want to hear, that's public speaking. So the gaps are created through a number of different reasons, one of which, frankly, is that we are taught, we forget to think about who is that person or that group that we're talking to and what is their primary need, their lens, what do they care about, what pressures do they have? And with all of that, what what pre-existing experience or knowledge do they have or do they not have? What gaps do they need us to fill in or not? What details do they care about or not care about? Bearing all that in mind and then saying, okay, if I want them to say yes to X, knowing all of that context that's there first. Now, let me plan how I'm going to approach them and what information I will share, what assumptions I will make about what I think they do or don't know already, do or don't care about, et cetera. Instead, we tend to just say, I need to talk to this group about this. And we tell them what we care about. We tell them what we understand. We tell them what details matter to us or what we think is compelling. And then we tend to instruct via fire hose method, open mouth, turn on fire hose, drown the audience in details, data, specifics over their head or you know, way down in the weeds. Whatever it is, it's not the direct point between our brains and theirs. We talk from a I want to say X perspective instead of they will need to hear and understand Y perspective. And when we make that shift, we're going to do a lot better job of of getting through to them. If you think about it in terms of the having a GPS, you get into your car, you can't just turn on the GPS and say, go. It's going to say, where? You have to plug in the destination first before it can calculate the route. We don't tend to do that. We get in the car and we just start driving when we talk. And then we wonder why we're not at the destination we wanted to be. You know, it's funny. The, the, the same principle applies in marketing. Sure. You know, when you're when you're marketing your business, I have to keep telling clients, they really don't care about you. You know? <laughs> yes. They only care about what you can potentially do for them. Exactly. Yeah. And that's so important. It's the 
Well, and here's another application. Now you, you we're, and we're, you know, we're just kind of wandering around here. You also have the Speaking to Influence podcast. Yes, you've been doing that for four years. I would imagine you get more applications for your podcast than you have slots to do interviews, right? You know, it's interesting because we do get a lot of applications. We don't accept most of them uh, because who we really want on the show is a very specific avatar. The The purpose of the podcast was because after, you know, a decade and longer of coaching executives on everything we just discussed, you see patterns. And so many of the executives were, of the clients would say things like, gee, I wish someone had taught me this 10, 20 years ago. Boy, I wish I'd learned this sooner. Or And so what I decided to do was create a platform to share those insights with the future of leadership, everybody else out there, so that they can learn it now and not wait another 20 years and then say, gee, I wish someone had taught me this sooner. But instead of me getting on and just teaching the lessons myself, I thought I will tee up the questions based on the themes that are the most hot button issues, the greatest pain points, et cetera, of the people I've been speaking with. And when I ask the question, I'll then invite the executives who've been there, done that, learned that lesson the easy way or the hard way, and let them share their experience, how they learned the lesson for themselves and what they look for in the people that they then lift up from for within their own organizations. And that's where the, the podcast came from. So it's it's a conduit for those senior executives to teach the lesson to the world at large. And of course, to help establish their legacy as well. Um, a lot of the people who want to be on the show are doing it because they have something they want to teach and they're certainly interested in my audience, but they're not the leaders that I that they need to be to be on the show itself. Well, and using the principles that you just laid out a few minutes ago about moving the concept from the head, you know, to the mouth, to the ears of the person that's looking to hear. Yes. If somebody using those principles that you just laid out what somebody should do if they want to be on your podcast is figure out how to help you achieve your goals yes. you know, for the podcast, understand what the goals are for the podcast and communicate, not what they want to communicate, but what they can do for your audience and how they can help you achieve your goals. Absolutely. So it's the same thing. It, it's the same pattern that keeps showing up again and again and again, yes. whether it's leadership coaching, or whether it's marketing or just pitching to get on your podcast. Correct. Correct. And I can't even tell you, there are places where I have posted the podcast and said, we're open for guests who are, who meet these criteria, note, asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. We are not looking for coaches, authors, solopreneurs, individual experts, et cetera. And I still get tons of people applying saying, but your audience would love my stuff. That's lovely. Thank you very much. But no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Go build your own podcast, draw the audience away from mine, and God bless you. Good luck yep. in there. Yep. Um, well, I had an idea. Okay. And just for those listening, Laura's not expecting this. And so uh -oh. whatever you say will be okay. Okay. I'm bracing myself. What do you think about a little mini workshop here live? Let's take uh, a look. All right. So one of the things, so again, the context is you help leaders communicate mm -hmm. messages they want, yeah. and sometimes leaders miss their audience. Sure. So I had an experience last night. Okay. Um, so as, as we talked about, and many know, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm a COVID survivor. I was, uh, they had all but proclaimed me dead. They told my wife for a solid month, I was going to die. And, um, you know, by, you know, I believe a, a miracle and, and the amazing work of my wife, uh, that I'm still breathing oxygen today. And so I was invited to a group of COVID survivors last night. Wow. And when I go into this, I always try to be sensitive because I know I'm the one that got to live. Mm. They're there because they lost a loved one. Mm. And even with that sensitivity, we're monitoring the chat and, and, the, and there are people in the chat. I have to meet. I can't listen to this. Mm. This is not what this group's for. He needs to be in a different group. And it was my wife and me mm. speaking. He needs to be in another group with people who had loved ones that lived, not this group. Mm. Our loved ones died. So the reason we're doing this, and we have a book coming out, is we're trying to um, add meaning and comfort to those that are suffering. Uh, and you know, and it's a complete mystery to me why I got to live and, and right. so many died. Using these methods, how would you how would you connect with um, those people? What would you advise me? Well, let's let's back up a little bit. Uh, this was a support group for yes. people who have lost, not who are who have survived COVID themselves, but who lost someone who are the surviving family member or loved one lost somebody else. So, who invited you to speak, and why? What was their vision? Uh, they, the the people who run the support group, we had been on their podcast earlier yesterday. And, um, and the, the basic message, something you'll hear consistently is, um, we were done wrong, you know, you know, usually said a little bit more eloquently, but that's kind of the raw emotion. We got a raw deal. We weren't, we were denied access to our loved one. Our loved one was, um, given okay. a treatment that was deadly and was documented mm -hmm. to be deadly. And, uh, and so, a lot of what their their goal is to let folks know, and that would be our goal is you're not alone. The deck was stacked against you, mm -hmm. you know. And we and here's the way we saw it in our journey. And you know, if if I find some meaning in the reason why I lived, it's to come out and tell the story for those who died. To whom? Those who those who are still suffering, trying to find meaning in what happened. And that would that would be my primary audience. Uh, the other audience would be um, maybe those that are a little bit more removed. I mean, everybody was impacted by that pandemic, of course. Um, but you know, to also understand, and you know, one of the things that we hope to do in life is when mistakes are made, we hope not to repeat them. Henry sure. Ford said, "the uh, the only mistake is the one you don't learn from." Right. So I guess the the question for me would I'd want to talk to the person <clears throat> excuse me who runs that group and say why do you believe my message would be welcomed and of value to this particular community because it's one thing to want to support that community if if through your story, what it ends up accidentally highlighting is that you're an example of what they should have had, which just reinforces the fact that they got the wrong treatment or there was some problem. So you are what they were 
you to them, you, if you reflect more what they got denied, it can be a little more salt in the wound than catharsis. So I guess the I would my intention if I were invited in your shoes to a group like that would be to have a really detailed prep call with the leader who invited me to say, help me understand the value that you believe this group would receive from hearing my story or what details of my story would provide the the value that you want them to have. Understanding what a group is looking for and what details will or won't be helpful are is, I think, room number one, priority number one. So I'm to me, it's almost it's interesting that that person made the invitation in the first place. I'm not totally clear on what they thought the value would be. You have an amazing story for so many people for that audience because of the unique and excruciating degree of pain point that can never be fixed, can never be healed fully to know exactly what the desired outcome would be and then speak straight to that. No around the no beating around the bushes, no whatever else to home in on that particular facet and nail it exclusively would be a really um, tight needle that I'd want to thread with great precision. That would be my advice. So I'm hearing two things here that I think is valuable frame by listening. You know, so if you're a leader and somebody asks you to speak, the very first thing you should do is check assumptions. Make no yes. assumptions. Absolutely. Seek clarity. So that's the first step. Seek clarity about the purpose of your talk. And the yep. second thing I heard you say is focus on the focus. Don't deviate, no matter how com compelling a story may be that you have or how excited you are about some story. If it's outside that focus of the goal for that, that talk, stay away. Well, you just used a really important phrase. No matter how, uh, no matter how excited you are about this particular story, how much you love, you're excited. You have to do a little bit of self analysis here. Why am I excited about this story? And does that reason sync with the needs and the pain points of that particular audience? Because there are plenty of stories that I have that don't resonate with a particular audience. And that would be inappropriate for me to tell to certain audiences. So you need to play, as the theater expression goes, play to the audience and recognize if it's just about, well, I love this story and it shares so much of what motivates me, but I'm out of sync with the pain point of the audience, the literal pain point of an audience that I'm trying, that I'm here to help provide even one morsel of, of value towards if my joy will actually be counterproductive for that group, then I'm selfish to tell that story. Then I'm not thinking about what's in it for them. I'm thinking what's in it for me and that I get to share the story again to an audience that won't take the intended value from it, will miss the target. And that's you know, that's not why where you want to spend your time. That's not the end result that you want. This is about leadership and legacy. And you want your legacy to be one of adding joy, adding peace, adding harmony, adding healing, adding whatever else it is. So you would never want to tell a story if you knew that it would have the opposite of the intended effect 
I'm, I'm sure from your heart, from everything that we've talked about before this call and during this call, if you knew that it would actually have a, a more heart, hurtful, unintentional, but nevertheless hurtful effect, there's no way you'd tell that story deliberately. I'm sure you'd redirect it. So that's being mindful of the what's in it for them. Public speaking is should always be driven by an act of generosity. What is the value that I can help them receive from what I share. And if it won't get there through the direction, the vehicle, the angle that I was intended, I'm going to find a new direction. Yeah. Now I would imagine for you, because you're coaching accomplished people mm -hmm. in speaking. And I would imagine sometimes that's like uh, riding some Bronco that's never been saddled before, you know, trying to direct that leader in that direction how do you manage that? How do you get somebody who, you know, has been very successful and is like, here's what's gotten me successful. And you, you're like, no, you can't go out with that message. How do you steer them in the right direction? One thing that's important in coaching is when you talk to a new prospective client, <clears throat> excuse me, to make sure that there's alignment on intention. Why are you interested in working with me? in the first place? What value do you want me to bring to you? And then from there, for, for me to make sure that that person is not only in alignment with the value that I can deliver, but that they're coachable in the first place. So I'm not going to work with someone where they're very much, a, I'm looking to hire a cheerleader, not a coach. I'm looking for someone to tell me that what I'm doing is already great. That defeats the purpose. So either they're so this coming, is, looking for insight or we're not going to work together. So this is back to checking assumptions. It sounds like the first thing you do every time is you check assumptions. Well, there's the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns. And we can only check the assumptions that we can consciously check, at which point they're not really assumptions anymore. That's the problem with assumptions, right? Many, many times they are uh, unconscious and we identify them by tripping over them at some point. And then we learn to check for them later on. But yes, we do need to check certain assumptions, as many as we can think of explicitly and upfront. And, and I can see how that would make a difference in who you work with versus who you don't work with. You yes, know, absolutely. Absolutely. I, there was one person that I, a couple of years ago, contacted me, wanted help with his public speaking. And after 10 minutes, I thought, this person wants a cheerleader. They don't want a coach because they were telling me about how they had Back in the day, they'd worked with Dick Clark on American Bandstand and all this stuff. And I, I thought, okay, well, that's impressive. Um, and I said, so, and what have you done since then? And he said, well, why do people always say that? I mean, I just told you that I worked with Dick Clark. You're supposed to say, wow, Dick Clark, how'd you manage to do that? Tell me about, and I went, did you just actually script what my response to you was supposed to be? I yeah. Like to me, that was done. We were done at that point. You're telling me what my answer was supposed to be that you wanted me to be so impressed. And it was, but it was also quite literally 60 years ago, 50. <laughs> so in the process, you know, so if you want me to coach you, I need to know these other questions. You can't get defensive. You can't script what I'm supposed to tell you. This is not somebody who's open to coaching. That was a very easy red flag for me to say, thank you very much. I wish you well. You know, I love the brilliant simplicity of, of why I keep hearing coming through, you know, it's focus on the fundamentals, you know, check your assumptions, figure out what's needed. I mean, it, it seems like the way you work is you solve hard problems 
by just mastering some of the basic details that we quickly skip over. Yes. It really is that simple. Yeah. Well, and and for what it's worth, I always know when I'm talking to a true expert, when they describe what they do, and I walk away thinking, oh, I could do that too. And <laughs> after some reflection, I'm like, no, probably can't. But you, you explain it with such simplicity that it gives me that, that feeling. And so that's that's wonderful. You know, one thing I, I, we this is such an incredible conversation. There's one thing we talked about. I want to make sure that we cover this. Uh, I saw something on your LinkedIn profile that said there are no unwanted children, just unfound families. What's that mean? And what what's it mean to you? That was most likely in a post regarding a, a, an organization that is near and dear to my heart. It's called the Adoption Center, and you can find that at adopt.org. And the Adoption Center's primary intention is to help children in the foster care system who are eligible for adoption get adopted, to find their forever families. And so often people think about the children who are in foster care as being unwanted, kind of discarded, problem children, whatever. And that's so not the case. They're, the vast majority are there through no fault of their own whatsoever. There were problems at a much greater level. So things that happened to their parents, parents were are not able to care for them, et cetera. And these are children who just need a clean start, who need the opportunity. I mean, you think about how much your own family meant to you growing up as a kid. I know how I, my parents were incredibly supportive, incredibly loving. Uh, they were strict where they needed to be strict and gentle where they needed to be gentle, but absolutely a huge reason why I am where I am today and who I am today. And these are children who don't have the, the confidence and the comfort of a permanent loving family that they can say, that's my mom, that's my dad, they love me, I love them, and they're mine forever and ever. And this is my home forever and ever. It's a right now they're wondering where they're going to be this year or next year, and if anyone will love them as their own. And what a horrible situation to be in as a child, just having that support is really there. So let me invite everybody, please check out adopt.org, because these are children who are, who want to fill your home, your heart. then, And that's the beauty of all the adoptive parents that I've spoken with. When someone has ever said to them, boy, they're real, that kid's really lucky to have found you. And they say, no, we're lucky to have found them. There was a hole in our family, a hole in our hearts, something that needed to be filled, something was missing. And it was that child. And we're they are absolutely in love with each other. So it doesn't matter if you are single, if you're married, if you own a home, what your income level is, if you are gay or straight or whatever else, there's an opportunity to find a child who you need to love you as much as they need you to love them. So please check out adopt.org. Well, thank you for sharing that. You know, when we were talking and we were talking about leadership, one of the things you said was, look, I'm a team of one. I don't lead anybody. And I can say, based on this conversation, that is categorically false. You are impacting lives on a scale that people only dream of, you know, one with these children. But think about the leaders that you're impacting by helping them get their message out. And when they get their message out, think about the lives that change then. No, absolutely. I appreciate that distinction. And to anybody out there listening to as a point of clarification, we had been talking about uh, a 
potential question that was framed in a certain way that I just wanted to clarify. It wasn't about leading a an internal team of dozens or hundreds or thousands, uh, but I am a leader, you are a leader, we are all leaders in so many different facets of life. And I do have a team. They're just uh, the beauty of the kind of work that I do. I don't need to have a ton of employees on the W-2 category. I've got many contractors and many 1099s and many people who are doing all sorts of services for me, which help podcasts run, which help the trains run on time, all that kind of stuff. And I certainly couldn't do it without them. But yes, we are all leaders in our own right. And thank you for that acknowledgement, Craig. Yeah. Well, is there a time you can think of you know, where you had kind of a white knuckle moment, you were faced with a tough leadership decision, and you weren't sure how it was going to work out? I think in to that framing that we just shared as far as the structure of my business, there was a time, I guess about 10 years ago, when, as you also pointed out in my in the introduction, that I was teaching part-time at the University of Pennsylvania for a number of years. And when I was an early, just starting the business, I stayed teaching there part-time consistently because look, it was stable income. And whenever you're trying to launch a business, there's a lot of feast and famine kind of cycles as far as revenue is concerned. So that was stable and simple, but there came a point where I had to make a decision, kind of fish or cut bait, because I was trying to grow the business. And I realized that teaching was actually holding me back, that I was turning down a lot of opportunities to train or to do speaking engagements if it was on a day that I had to be on campus to teach and or if the event was the day before or after my teaching day because it was a travel day. I couldn't be traveling on a day when I had to be on campus teaching. And so to turn down opportunities, revenue generating opportunities because of that teaching day, I had to make a choice. And again, this was 10 years ago, but it was a pivotal moment where I had to as they say, burn the boats, there's no going back and cut ties with the university, at least from that perspective and say, no, I'm going to commit to building the business and scaling it to as far as I can take it. But now, whereas the um, the teaching component had been a stable foundation revenue wise, it had turned into an anchor and to set the boats free, got to release the anchor. So to, to, stop the teaching and totally commit 100% to the coaching and training business, uh, which is a decision that was absolutely the right one at the time, allowed me to touch so many more hundreds and thousands of lives through all the different groups I've spoken in front of, the teams I've trained, the leaders that I've coached who are leaders of hundreds of thousands uh, with some of the you know, Fortune 100 companies and beyond. So uh, it was absolutely the right decision to make. And I'm I've never looked back. Well, that's neat. And, you know, when you're telling that, it reminds me of, you know, Warren Buffett saying that, you know, his greatest gains has been in his ability of knowing what to say no to, as opposed to what to say yes to. And it yes. sounds like that's exactly what you did. Exactly. I think it was Steve Jobs also said uh, leadership is about saying no to 90% of the things you want to say yes to. And that was it. That was a big one. That was absolutely terrifying for me at, at that time. But sometimes you just have to take that leap of faith. Well, Laura, this has been an amazing conversation. I appreciate uh, you coming here. I appreciate uh, she, you didn't know I was going to ask you to workshop that. I didn't know when we started, but it just seemed to make sense. And, and I liked it because it showed um, how you always come back to some basic fundamentals. It looks like it's a proven formula that gets proven results. 
and that you're a max master practitioner. How should people reach you? I would certainly invite people to check out my podcast, as you mentioned, which is Speaking to Influence. And you can find that on Apple Podcasts, on uh, Spotify, on all the the, the usual suspects as far as podcast platforms are concerned. You can also go to speakingtoinfluence.com for more about the podcast and about the book. And if you go there, you'll also, I'm happy to offer to the to the audience a nice free takeaway for those who want to have a more powerful virtual influence, meaning here in the, the video conference world, et cetera, so, uh, the sound quality is such an important detail. I can't even begin to tell you how much the quality of your sound makes a difference. I'm just gonna do a real quick demo here because I think people love demos. It really brings things to life. If I shift it away from my microphone to the default, here we go. Uh, this is what I would sound like. Oh. Where's the woof? Tell me oh. what. That's, yeah, it's horrible. No, let's go back. Yeah, and it makes you wanna not listen, right? It makes you wanna tune out. It makes you wanna, ignore the person who's making you work to hear and go, oh, that's unpleasant. So when you sound like that, then suddenly people go, oh, she sounds a lot smarter. Her information sounds more important. It's easier to focus. I don't want to multitask as much. So even things like the quality of your sound will change your influence consciously and unconsciously in the minds of your listeners. So if you go to speakingtoinfluence.com, there'll be a little uh, frame you'll see that'll invite you to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence. And I'll give you some picks on different price points for microphones and lights and all sorts of other things. And so there's a freebie there. I'm happy to invite everybody. And of course, you can check out my main website, which is vocalimpactproductions.com. Of course, check out if you want to go to LinkedIn, connect with me there. Of course, tell me that you heard me here on Craig's show. That's important. We want to give Craig credit for having this incredible platform and offering so much value to everybody out there. And thank you for the honor of inviting me to join you. Dr. Laura Sicola, thank you. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag leaders and legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.